Well, good morning, Thrive Church. Is everybody alive and kicking this morning? Just give Jesus praise this morning. Jesus is in the house. I want to welcome all of you who are here. If you are a guest this morning, my name is Sheldon Miles. I'm the lead pastor of this awesome church here in the 715 area code. And I want to welcome all those who are watching us online in the 715. I continue to meet people outside of this church who let us know that they are checking in with us every Sunday. So we are so glad that you are here with us this morning watching online. But I will say this every week, it is really awesome in person. So we would love to see you here at Thrive Church because this, this is what we are. We are just a bunch of spirit-led people who are leading other people to become life-giving followers of Jesus. That is what Thrive Church is all about. And how many are you with me with that on that mission this morning? We are mission-driven. So I just a, a quick few thoughts here. I want you to know that we are super excited about this week because this week, in fact, we started this morning, we are launching our life groups uh, this week, and this Wednesday night is going to be our grow night, and there's information right under the grow sign over there, and, and we want to encourage you. No, I don't want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Get into a life group and get connected with other people in the church. You are missing out. You are missing out, so I want to encourage you uh, to do that. And then next Sunday, I'm super excited about next Sunday. As some of you, I know it is tears of sorrow because you heard word that this carpet is going to be disappearing. It is going to be raptured here. And, and just, I know you're not supposed to know the day nor the hour, but it's going to be raptured in a twinkling of an eye. It's all going to be gone. And, uh, and so some of you are really connected to it. And so if you are interested in having a memento piece in your house, we would love to give you that piece because we will save money if we take care of that our, ourselves. But you know what? It's going to be cool. Next week, we're going to tear up strips of this carpet here next Sunday. And at the end of the service, we're going to have a little ceremony. And next Sunday, I want you to come prepared with your power verse you know what a power verse is, right? It's one of those verses, it's our go-to. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I can think or even imagine. That's be one of my power verses. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna, at the end of the service, we're gonna give you permission, we're gonna hand you a, a permanent magic marker and we're gonna let you go and write that into the concrete of the floor because we're just gonna proclaim God's power, God's word in this auditorium, right? And so we're gonna have just a prayer time and because we, we believe that each and every week God is doing something here in the house. And so, uh, and also, I want you to do this. I want you to come and bring, let's just do this. Bring the first name of the person you want God to touch their life. And you just go ahead and you're going to write their name. Write their name. You're going to write it down. And uh, so next week is going to be kind of a memorial service. And, and then the carpet is going to come and cover it up. And God is going to come and work. Amen. Amen. Can I just give a shout out this morning? I, we have had some, some people who have just shown up during the week and have just taken ownership of this church and said, you know what, uh, we're, we're just kind of cleaning things up. How many of you have noticed the church is getting kind of cleaned up around here and a lot of people taking ownership? Yeah, you can give, you can give a shout out for that. 
And, and I don't know if you walked into the bathrooms this week and like, what happened here? Did I walk into the men's room or did I walk into the ladies' room? And uh, I want to give a shout out to the, uh, the creative team and Vicky Sonic for coming and, and painting the, the church this week, painting the, the restrooms. Did an excellent job, Vicki, and thank you very much for doing that. So I want to encourage you to follow along in your sermon notes as we get into this message this morning. And I want you to know we are in that sermon series called Questions, and we are, we are attempting to answer the questions of life and of faith and of God. And, and I want you to know this morning we are going into the deep end of the swimming pool. We are going to go really deep this morning. Um, and, and, and we know this. Here's kind of our, our theme verse that we've been focusing on here. And, and you need to have this understanding when you address these deep questions of faith. This is the prophet Isaiah. God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, which he did often. And he says this. He says, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, they are higher than your thoughts. We serve a big... No, a really, no, a really extreme, we, we serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God. How many of you, I, I would say this, uh, my earliest memories of life probably began around four years old. That, that's kind of the average. Maybe some of you little, the little earlier thinkers here a little bit. But in our stages of life, our understanding of our parents is a little bit different. So when we are infants and in those earlier years, we have a total dependency on our parents. And then, and then we reach those wonderful teenage years, the greatest days of our lives. And, and our parents, they could not be any more ignorant of this world, right? Right? Teenagers, they went upstairs or else we would have heard a big amen with that one. And then we enter into our 20s and then our parents are so old-fashioned. Please, oh my word. But then we turn the corner and we end, enter into our 30s and we discover maybe, I'm not saying all the time, but maybe some of the times my parents, they know a thing or two about life. Just, you know, I'll give them a little credit. And then when we reach our 40s, wow, wow. I never realized, mom and dad, how much you know. Wow, you are brilliant. <laughs> so, and, and, and so I think it's kind of like that with our understanding of the ways of God that we don't, we don't even comprehend who he is. We don't fully grasp who he is. But believe me, I want you to know I have a top 10 list. How many of you have a top 10 list of questions that you're going to ask God when you get into heaven? I mean, it's like, you're going to sit down with him. I have some questions for you. So that's what we're trying to do. We're going to try to answer some questions. And today, we're going to tackle the big one. Who is God? Who is God? And, and this is very important. What you believe about God affects how you view and live your life. How many of you found that to be true? You know, last week, we talked about Truth. Truth and God. What is the truth about God? And here's, here's what I know. I, maybe we're going to go to old school movies here. Here's, this is to answer the question right off the bat. We're going to clear the, the air for some of you. God is not George Burns. How many of you remember that movie, Oh God? 
That is not God, all right? And, and then Morgan Freeman, remember when he played God? That is not God. Though he has a really good voice for the voice of God. I, th- I, would, I would set him up for that. All right, and then he's not Jim Carrey. Remember Bruce Almighty? That is, how many of you glad Jim Carrey is not God? <laughs> that is these, I, so I just wanted to clear the air a little bit, and, and these just let you know these people are not God. And I want you to know that today's message is not a debate on whether the, on the existence of God. I'm just not, I'm not gonna go there. Uh, and, and it's not a debate on which religion is right, which is the true God. So that, that, that is not it. But, but here's my experience. As a pastor for 20-some years, my experience here is that these are not the questions that people are really wrestling with. That people have come to an understanding that there is a God. I think people are asking questions like, what is God like? And how can I know him? I, believe, I really believe these are the questions of life that people are asking. And you know the Bible. This morning I'm going to talk about the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible. In, in the God of the Bible, it says this in Genesis 1-1, that he was there from the very beginning. We know in Genesis 1-1. That is, if you turn in your Bibles to page 1, and you go all the way up to the very first sentence in the beginning God in the beginning God so where do we go how do we how do we our understanding of God we go to the beginning and we see that God created the heavens and the earth I'm going to talk about that here in just a matter of fact and and here's the deal this is with the psalmist the person Solomon, King Solomon, the Bible says was the wisest man who ever lived. Uh, he wrote in Psalms 14:1, only fools in their hearts say that there is no God. And I think that we can agree with this definition. I got this definition from a great website called gotquestions.com. If you have a lot of faith questions, a great website to check out, gotquestions.com. And in this website, it says that God is the supreme being, the creator and ruler of all that is, the self-existent one who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. I think that we could all agree, yeah, that, that would be a good definition of God. In fact, in 2018, Pew Research, who does a lot of research on, on churches and religion of today, they did a study and they found that even in today's secular culture, that 90% of Americans believe in God. And oh, by the way, that, that was a change. It, it was an uptick. A lot of times, uh, things about faith and religion keep go down. But this seemed to be a percentage uh, that started going in the upward direction. 90% of Americans believe in God. And, and again, I'm not going to debate the existence of God because this. I, here's, here's my understanding. There's a lot of smart people in this city called Washington, D.C. And in Washington, D.C., even they affirm the existence of God. Let me give you an example of this. You, if you just pull out your wallet here and you're getting your money ready for the, your tithes and your offering this morning, you will see on that note, you'll see the phrase, in God we trust. God we trust. Check it out. In God we trust. So there's affirmation of God there. In our Pledge of Allegiance, we put our hands on our chest and we look at the flag. We use the statement, one nation 
under God. We, we see this, that, that when sometimes when a judge or, 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 or a congressman or something, and they are being sworn into office. Lou, I don't know if you did this yourself, but you put your hand on a Bible and you said the phrase, so help me God. We know that the Supreme Court has been opening prayer for years from its beginning. And they start out with this prayer, God save the United States and this honorable court. Again, the acknowledgement of God. We know that the president of the United States and many of his great speeches that he gives to the country, he will end with this statement, may God bless America. And this is not in the notes here, but if you, if you look at the history of our United States Congress, Ever since 1789, every time they meet together for a session, they will open up in prayer to God. So again, I'm not going to sit here and debate with you because many great people who serve in our government for years have acknowledged this belief. And the God that they're talking about is the God of the Bible. So that's who we're going to talk about this morning. Timothy Keller says this about, he calls these people the closet, closet agnostics. Closet agnostic. Have you ever been a closet agnostic? Maybe that's who you are this morning. And a closet, a closet agnostic is somebody who would say, I've known about God, but never really known God. Let me say that one more time. And I, just ask yourself, is that you this morning? Are you a closet agnostic? Somebody who knows about God, but you've never really known God. And I hope that through this message this morning that you would make the decision to get to know this God of the Bible we're talking about this morning. The Apostle Paul tells us this, that the knowledge of God's existence is obvious. Everybody look at your neighbor and say obvious. It's obvious to all of us. Mark, mark this scripture verse down, Romans 1, 29 through 20. Paul says this, talking to a group of a church, he says, he's talking about people who are disengaged from God, people who are disengaged. But he says, here's the, here's the reality for everybody on this earth. Everybody knows the truth about God because he has made it, What? Everybody knows the truth. We talked about the truth last week. We talked about the truth of God, therefore God exists. And it's obvious to all of us. Well, how, do I, how is it so obvious? For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. And through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature so listen to this, just, just let this stick. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. There is no excuse. God has made himself clear to every single one of us that there is a God, and we can know him. And again, that's my desire this morning, that you would know God. 
And I want you to know this morning that God reveals himself to us in many ways. And I found this passage here in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25 through, 30, through 31. And again, many times God would speak through his prophets. Isaiah was a prophet, and he would speak through the man, and he would speak to the nations. And in this passage, God is speaking to us. And in this passage, we're going to see ways that God reveals himself to us. If you're here today and you're asking, who is God? God tells us who he is and what it means for us, the impact that he has. So let's look at this this morning. Isaiah 40, 25 through 31, starting with verse 25. There is nothing and no one else like God. Verse 25, to whom will you compare me? This is God speaking to you this morning. Who, who could compare to me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. I'm going to just give you a, a moment to think about that. Who? Who or what? Really can, can honestly say that they compare to God. Who, who is that in your life? What, what is that in your life that can compare to the existence of God? And then, and then God points out that he is this person called the Holy One. Look at your neighbor and say the Holy One talking about God here. So the Holy One is someone who is divine or set apart. I'm going to use a lot of fancy words this morning. You're really going to be impressed with your pastor this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pull out some doozies this morning, but he's set apart. There is no one, there is nothing like our God. Throughout this message, I'm probably going to slow down every once in a while because I really want it to sink in because sometimes I just wonder if we take God for granted and we forget who he is. And it starts off with we are serving. The God of the Bible is a holy God. And this means that he is righteous, in other words, righteous, the word righteous means, it, it, sometimes it has some negative connotations, but it, righteous is, this means that God is the definition of what is right. So if you're wondering, what is the right thing and what is the wrong thing? Well, look to God and you will see what is right. God is right, the definition of what is right. He is absolutely and what that means is that he is absolutely separated from all sin. There's no sin, not, not, not even, just not. Sin is not within him. It's not part of his existence whatsoever. Number two, we see that he is creator God. Isaiah 40, 26. God says to us, look up into the heavens. You ever done that before? Last night, Michelle and I we were driving home from Minneapolis, and just it was kind of a, it wasn't a, it was like a three-quarter moon, and it was magnificent. Looking up in the sky as we're driving, and you, you look up and you see the stars. When is the last time you ever did, you, you did that? You just, man, God, this is powerful. Look up in the heavens. Every once in a while, it's good to do that. Who created all of this? Who, who did that? He brings them out like an army. They're talking about the stars. One after another, calling each other by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one 
is missing. I, I love this time of year. This time of year, it is the, the colors are beginning to change and we're coming up on the big peak season. Don't you love this time of year? And you just look at it like, who made all of these colors? God is such a magnificent artist that God would create that. So how can we explain the awesomeness of God's creation? Again, I am just, I, I, this, this, this message this morning, I, I'm not even touching, I'm just, there's a small part. But there's a book by the, name, uh, by the name of Man Does Not Stand Alone, and the author is Abraham Morrison. And if I could just read for you some of his explanations, he reveals to us these amazing details about God's creation, and we're going to talk here, and I got my globe again, we're going to talk again about this planet Earth. Can I, and I just, again, we're going to talk about his, his creation here. Did you realize that tilt, I can see here, it's not science class. I am not a scientist. <laughs> you do not want to know my science grades from high school. But look this up yourself. The tilt of the Earth's axis. You'll notice that there's kind of a, a tilt. It's not sitting e- even like that, but there's kind of a tilt here. Is tilted at about 23% here. And I'm going to be reading some of the things that he shares with us. No other planet in the universe is tilted like this. And this tilt, apparently, it gives equal distribution of both heat and light from the sun. Let me continue here. The rotation of the earth. Do you realize that the earth is rotating on that tilted axis at about 1,000 miles an hour? So if I was to spin this thing here, I still could not get it up to 1,000 miles per hour. We're moving. We're moving. Let's just say that. And the rate of speed is critical for life to exist. Did you realize that? If it was 100 miles per hour less than that, Say if we were only going 900 miles per hour, our days and nights would be 10 times, time, 10 times as long. And that day, we would have so much more heat and sunlight during the day that it would actually begin to scorch the earth. And then, then when it turned night, temperatures would reach to negative 240 degrees below zero. What an amazing God. See, it's just the right speed, the right the right tilt. And then there's the oscillation. I, did, I had to look up what oscillation was here. The oscillation of the Earth's axis. And you see our Earth, it oscillates. And what that means is it kind of wobbles. So it's on this tilt. And every once in a while, it kind of oscillates here by about 3%. And then it moves back. And what that does is our seasons and climate, they depend on this oscillation. You see, there is a, such a thing as climate change. Right now, we're in the middle of climate change. We're changing from summer to fall, and then it's going to change into winter, and then it's going to change into spring. Climate change has been going on since the very beginning. Trying not to stay political here. But a drop of more than 3% of the average would result in an ice caps melting and flooding the earth. So if we didn't have that oscillation, we'd have some problems. And that would increase in liquid, would literally suck the carbon dioxide and oxygen out of the atmosphere, and it would kill all forms of life. But it's just the right speed, 
the right thing. The depths of the ocean. Did you know that the depths of the earth's ocean is just right in relation to the atmosphere? You see, the atmosphere that we breathe each and every day right now, 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, and 1% trace elements is the exact combination for human life. But if the earth's oceans were just a little bit deeper, when the earth began, the extra water would have robbed the atmosphere of the oxygen and carbon dioxide, and we wouldn't be here today. The thickness of the earth's crust the Earth's crust is just the right thickness. If it were only 10 feet deep thicker, it would, it would have completely oxidized all the Earth's oxygen when the world began. The speed of orbit, when we are speeding around the sun, it, uh, it, it's in an elliptical orbit. And we are going at the rate of 18 miles per second. Like I said, you are moving. You feel like you're not going anywhere, you're moving. You are moving. And if the earth slowed down just a couple of miles per second, we would be pulled into the sun and burnt to the crisp. Did you know that? If we increased our speed, we would freeze to death, the distance from the sun. Earth is just the right number of miles from the sun. Do you realize we are 93 million miles from the sun? And it provides us just the right amount of heat to survive. If we were just a few degrees closer, we would be torched. Just a few degrees farther away, we would be popsicles. We are just the right distance from to, to the moon. While the earth is spinning and oscillating and racing around the sun, the moon is moving around the earth at just the right distance. At the present distance, the pull of the orbit causes the tides to ebb and flow at just the right rate. And if our moon were to orbit closer, the increased gravitational pull would cause the lower regions of the earth to be flooded, and the tide would erode the land masses until finally the mountains would crumble into the sea. And then there's this thing called photosynthesis. Put this down here. Our lives depend on this process called photosynthesis. Again, I am not, you don't want to know my biology great. Oh, my word. But our lives depend on this process to survive. You see, planes, plants, they contain this substance called chlorophyll, and they perform a function so basic that we are absolutely dependent on it for our existence. The energy of the sun combined with the moisture and the air, combined with the nutrients from the atmosphere and soil, produce food for the plants and oxygen for the air. Without oxygen, without this oxygen produced by plants, you wouldn't be breathing right now. The existence of God. Don't you just love, and can I just a side note here, don't you just love how science reveals the existence of God? He says this in his, his remaining statement. Let me read this to you. Saying that the earth is an accident and life is a product of chance is like finding a Rolex watch on the street and saying that the gold casing blew in from South Africa gold mine and the glass cover rolled down from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and the diamonds fell out of the pocket of a jewel thief from Zaire and the mainspring bounced out all the way from Switzerland and they all came together here on the street spontaneously and together they keep the perfect date and the perfect time. That's, I think that sums it up pretty good. God's creation. God's creation. God 
reveals himself to us. Through us living today, God reveals himself to us. Let me continue on this morning. Where, how, many, how many of you are in the deep end of the pool yet with me? This is, we're, God is all-knowing. Looks at this, verse 27. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? God is this word omniscient. Omniscient. It means the state of knowing everything. He knows everything that has happened in your past, he knows everything that has happened, right? He knows you are sleeping, some of you. And God knows your future. God is all-knowing. He knows every choice we make, and he knows the motive that we had in making that choice. God knows the challenges that some of you have gone through. God knows about the battle that you are facing right now. God knows. God knows. I heard it like this. Somebody said this, that life is like a corn maze. How many of you ever been through a corn maze? It's corn maze season here. Every event from birth to death in your life is in that maze. How many of you can relate to that? Yes, I can see the, 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 the connection there. And God is like this drone above the maze, and he's looking down over you, and he can see what has gone on around every bend. He can see where you have been. He sees you right now, and he sees your future. Our God knows. Listen to me. Our God knows. God is this word omnipresent. That means he has the quality of being everywhere. There is nowhere that God is not present in all of his creation. God is one of those, he's hands-on. He's hands-on. That means he is involved. And he is, listen to me, you need to hear this, he is always with us. God's word, Jesus says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He promises that. God is with you. Whether you feel it, whether you see it, God is with you. And there's no place that God cannot go. Number four, God is all-powerful. Verse 28. Is that how many of you are learning something about God this morning? Verse 28. Have you not heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. And so we see here that God is this word omnipotent. In other words, he has unlimited power. He is able to do anything. It is impossible to even comprehend all the power of an everlasting God. All I know is whatever your obstacle, whatever your challenge, God can do it. God can do it. He can do anything that is within his nature. His power over the universe is limitless. It's like that passage that, that Garrett read this morning. I, I mentioned to you earlier that power verse, our God is able and again, whatever that obstacle that you are facing today that just seems like a monstrous wall, it seems impossible, I want you to know we serve a God who is able. 
He's able. Whatever your challenge is, abundantly more than we can think or even imagine. How many, when's the last time you just, you went through the stories that are in this book? Impossible. Impossible. (laughs) Impossible. (laughs) Impossible. I read this book back in college and it was called The Lord of the Impossible. And it went through all these stories of our God and facing all these people who are facing impossible situations. And then when the Lord of the impossible showed up, all of a sudden that thing that was impossible, our God showed up and he declared all things are possible. Do you believe that this morning? God is all powerful. Number, next one, God is sovereign. He is the ultimate authority. He is the ultimate authority no matter what the subject is. God is boss. I, I did a sermon series years ago, and it was simply called Boss. And I talked about God's authority in our lives. And I'm telling you, I had more people come up to me and say, and say Pastor, I'm not, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'm struggling with this sermon series. God is boss. I'm going to talk about that here in just a few moments. But he is more than boss. Some, for some of you, the boss, that word boss is, it has some negative connotations to it. So let's maybe change the word. God is our leader. And it just goes so much better when we follow our leader in life. God is transcendent. He is beyond physical laws. He is beyond comprehension. God is eminent. That means he is beyond the grasp of intellect. I like how the Apostle Paul looks at this and he says, oh, how great are God's riches and his wisdom and knowledge. How awesome is our God. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions in all of his ways. God interacts with us. Verses 29 through 31, it says this. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and even young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about that here for a second. Those who trust in the Lord, they will find new strength. They will soar high on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God interacts with us. God wants to interact with us with you. Did you see what God says to those who would choose to interact with God? Did you see there, did you see in this passage where there is a choice? But those who trust, not somebody who is forced to trust, but those who make the decision to put their trust in him, then God shows up in their lives in incredible ways. Always understand that God's greatest desire for your life, and I've said this many times, grasp it this morning, God's greatest desire is to have a relationship with you. And as we talked about love here, where many times we understand that love is a decision, and that it takes two for love to be complete. And God chooses to love you, and he calls upon you to be in love with God. 
And we see this. We see how God extends himself to each and every one. The things that he wants to do. We see that God is a loving God. We see that God is compassionate. I'm only touching the surface here. We see that God is merciful. We see that God is full of grace. We see that, thank you, Jesus, he is forgiving. Oh, he's full of grace. We serve a God who is a healer. Not only does God intervene, and we see it stories after story, but not only that, I have witnessed stories after story where God has healed broken bodies, where God has healed broken minds, where God has healed broken hearts and healed broken relationships. I want you to know our God is a healing God. Are you glad this morning? Because God... It's not that George Burns up here on earth just looking down. Some, some people have that Santa Claus vision of God. Just looking down, looking down, looking, seeing who's naughty or nice. Check, check, wrong, naughty list, naughty list. No, 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 no. We serve a God who interacts with man. We serve a God who wants to have a relationship with you, who wants to walk with you and talk with you. So the question this, this morning, and again, I only just touched the surface on who God is, but my question here as we end here is, how then should we respond to God? And as I, I had this, this, these images of George Burns and Morgan Freeman, Jim Carrey, sometimes I just need to have a, a healthy image of God. You know what my favorite word for God is? It's in the Bible. This is my favorite word for me, and for some of you, I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna touch on this, it might be a hard word for you to accept about God, okay? I'm setting you up here. But my favorite word in the Bible that characterizes God is Father. And right now, there's some of you maybe watching online and just, oh, you cringed. And for some of you, that is your biggest hindrance because you grew up in a home and you have it a father, an earthly father who wounded you. And he was abusive to you. He hurt you. My heart's broken for you. I'm sorry. That was never the way that it was intended to be. Remember the first part in this, this series where we talked about pain and suffering? That was never God's intention for you. But I want you to know, Father God whom we serve is the God who is always intended to be. He is that one who was there for you, who cared for you when your earthly father wasn't there. I want you to know, Father, I had a, a great earthly relationship with my earthly father, and he characterized for me what, what that looked like. God wants us to respond to him like the loving father that he is. And again, some of you are wounded. You have a father wound in your life. Can I just encourage you that you would give God your father, that you would give Father God a chance to be that father that you never had? And the first thing that you do, the first thing that, that God calls for each and every one of us to do, is, and it starts right here. That this, this topic right here will be your biggest hindrance from God is that we need to surrender to him. 
You need to surrender. James 4 says this, submit yourselves. And some of you are like, ah, oh, my word, this pastor is saying the, the most politically incorrect words here. But let me explain. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The only thing, listen to me, the only thing that can hinder God's connection into your life for you to have a relationship with him is your pride. That will be, for each and every one of us, our biggest hindrance for having God activated in our lives is our pride. That word submit means to accept that he is who he says he is, that he is boss. Some of you, I don't like the boss, all right. He's leader. And, and I grew up in a home where my dad had, he had six kids, I was number five. I mentioned a couple times I was the victim in the family. That's for a different sermon. I'm not just joking. (laughs) But I know in my house, if if we didn't have a problem, the number one rule was dad was boss. Dad was dad. He was father. And if we didn't have a problem with that, life was pretty good in our home. I mean, you know, we just had relationship with dad. But I had a couple brothers and sister who experimented with this idea of whether dad was really the main authority in the house. And dad had a way of pointing out to him that it is best for you. You will live much better lives here on this earth if you will just accept the fact that I am dad and you are not. (laughs) How many of you understand? How many of you grew up in a home like that? It just was better. It just and, and I, I was fortunate enough to be the youngest son and to see all the mistakes of my brothers experimenting with this idea. And I looked at him and like, uh-uh, that didn't turn out so good. And that didn't turn out so good. And that looked like that hurt. <laughs> so, <laughs> lesson number one, lesson number two, lesson number three. I got it. <laughs> and maybe that's why I had such a good relationship with dad, because of my stupid brothers. I don't know. I hope my one brother heard that. I really do. I hope you're watching, man. I, oh, my phone is vibrating right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> but the first step in having a loving relationship with God is to surrender your will to him and say, listen, you are God. This is, this is from, our, from Adam and Eve. This has been the problem since the beginning. You are God. And I am not, and I will live under your authority. I will live, and let me say this, I will live under your blessings. This is where the blessings are found. The blessings are not out here. Satan lied to us when we tried this move, and we've, I've tried this move before, and it just, the blessings are not here. The blessings are not here. I am not that person. The blessings are here under the authority of God, of my Father. Number two, the second thing that we need to do is to connect with him, James 4, 8. And I love this. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I want you to know this morning, you don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to a pastor. You don't have to go through anybody. 
But in fact, Hebrews, in, in Hebrews it says that you can come boldly into the presence of God. Come near to God, he will come near to you. You can go to him anytime, anywhere. Do you know this morning, I got up and I'm preparing for this message. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm pulling my hair out. There's so much here. I can't even say half these words. And I just needed to go on a walk with my father, God. Boy, that just cleared my mind. When's the last time you went on a walk with your father? And I was just like, man, I just looking up and it was dark out and that moon was still out and those stars were out there and I'm just looking at the leaves and I saw the little deer puttering across the road and man, God, you are so cool. God, you are so awesome. God, I, I, and I poured my heart out for you this morning. God, I need you. God, Thrive Church needs you. God, the 715 needs you. I was connecting with my Father. And I want you to know this morning, you can connect with your Father anytime, any day, any hour, any situation. You can connect with your God. Third thing is worship him. God wants to have a relationship with you. And one of the greatest things that you can do to enhance this relationship is worship. In Psalms, it tells us, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. I'm gonna stop right there. But in worship, you know why this is so important that we worship God? Worship is recognition. Again, it's recognition. You are God and I am not. And that's where the blessings are found. And I'm just going to, do you know this? We talked about the love languages here a little while ago. One of God's greatest love languages is affirmation. God loves when we affirm, you are God. You are awesome. You are great. You are worthy. You are God. Thank you, God. Sometimes I'll go in my, my time with my father and I'll just say, thank you, God. I'm seeing you show up in that situation. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. One of the most powerful words that you can say, thank you, God. Can we do this right now? Just look at your neighbor and say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for who he is, for what he has done, for what he's doing right now, and for what he's going to do, recognition. And last of all, talked about these things, surrendering to him, connecting with him, worshiping him, and then we got to obey him. Now, again, not, I know, I'm just so politically incorrect this morning. That's just, you know. Those who accept my commandments, Jesus said, and obey them are the ones who love me. This morning, can I make a confession? I'm almost done here. I, I live out in Weston. How many of you live out near that, uh, that roundabout in Weston? How many of you realize they got that stoplight thing? They're working on this bridge, and it's only a one-lane bridge, and they got this man-made stoplight that you got going on there. And it's so obnoxious because it's super early in the morning and I, I'm making it around the roundabout and it's green light, go, 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 and it's yellow light, ah, and it's red light and like, ah. There's nobody here. There's this little voice, just go for it, man, come on, nobody's around. <laughs> See if they're looking, if they're members from church are around looking at my car. Just go for it. Come on. You know what stopped me? 
I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's God or what, but there was that voice that said, do you remember how many times you've made stupid moves like that and you regretted it? It looks clear now, but I promise you there's a police officer coming around the corner. I promise you. And I just remember the pain of those regrets. And can I just tell you these, these commandments that, God, that Jesus is talking about? We don't not serve a, a, a controlling God. We serve a loving God who wants to help you not to relive those regrets. Because how many of our greatest regrets in life is when I'm like, just go for it. And I knew I shouldn't have. Does that make sense? If you get anything out of this message this morning, we talked about this gigantic God, and I just I can't even fathom it. But isn't it amazing that this God, Father God, wants to have a relationship with you, his daughter. God wants to have a relationship with you, his son. He wants to heal up all those father wounds that you've had in this life. God wants to live in connection with you. And when you live in connection with God, oh my word, it changes everything. You experience all these things that I talked about this morning. But the choice is up to you. Let me close this morning. Have you surrendered to him? If you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, we surrender to God through his son, Jesus Christ. We recognize what he did for us on the cross for the forgiveness of the sins, and we invite him into our life. If that is you, you're watching online this morning, you want to invite Jesus into your life, just, just repeat after me. Just say, God, I need you. I accept your son, Jesus, into my life who died for me, and because of him, I am now free. I am now forgiven. Forgive me. I'm choosing today to make you Father God, and I come under your blessings in obedience. Show me what that looks like. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. The greatest decision in your life is to surrender to God. The next thing that you need to do is now you need to live in connection with that God, and then you need to begin to worship that God. Don't wait for Sunday morning. Do it on your car ride home. Do it during the, the games you're watching today. Do it when you wake up from your nap. Thank you, God. May it be the first words that come out of your voice when you wake up tomorrow. Thank you, God. And then obey him. And whenever you hear that voice, don't do it. <laughs> don't, the red light, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm telling you, obey me. Follow me. That's where the blessings are found. So, Lord, we just give you thanks and praise this morning. There's so much. I know I've went over this morning. There's so much that we can say about our God, but you are awesome, and we give you honor and praise. We want to glorify you. And so, Father, I pray that each and every one of us, you would reveal yourself to us in far greater ways than we even talked about this morning. We thank you that you are such a mighty God, and you care enough to have a relationship with me Thank you, Father God. We give you honor. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, can we just give God a shout out this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God.